This is Quotations, a podcast about words, written and spoken throughout history. If you can fill the unforgiving minute with 60 seconds worth of distance run, we shall fight in the hills. We shall never surrender. No matter where you're from, your dreams are valid. The Pale Blue Dot, the only home we've ever known. Hello and welcome to Quotations. I'm Matthew Monroe. Here's today's quote. Quote, one of the best things a teacher ever did for me was say, I don't know the answer to that, but I'll do some research. It modeled a more honest intellectual discourse. You don't have to pretend like you know everything, and you don't always need to have or share an immediate opinion. End quote. And that is the author and poet and staff writer at The Atlantic, Clint Smith. And Clint has authored two books, one which is a narrative fiction called How the World is Past, A Reckoning with History and Slavery Across America, a number one New York Times bestseller and also author of Counting Descent, a book of poetry which won a 2017 Literary Award for Best Poetry Book from the Black Caucus of the American Library Association. And he's been a fellow at numerous organizations and has been published in The New Yorker, The New York Times, The New Republic, Poetry Magazine, Paris Review, and Harvard Business Review in addition to his numerous articles at The Atlantic itself. And he holds a bachelor's degree from Davidson College in English and a PhD in education from Harvard. And Clint was also born and raised in New Orleans, a city that I very much enjoy. Clint is a very talented and practiced writer, and if you've never heard of him or read his work, you really are missing out. I'd encourage you to go over to The Atlantic, do a quick search by name for Clint, and just read some of the things that he writes about. Now, as you would expect, if you know anything about The Atlantic, a lot of the writing is very politically charged there. It's very politically charged just about everywhere these days, it seems. But Clint's work stands out from the rest because of the high-quality writing that he does. Yes, they are pointed topics. Yes, they are difficult to discuss. And yes, there are many and varied opinions about the things that he talks about. But Clint does an outstanding job of reaching through all of that and providing compelling stories, compelling narratives. And his poetry, in Counting Descent, is just simply fantastic. And while I haven't read How the Word Has Passed, it is on my list of books to read, because I know just how excellent a writer Clint actually is. And today's quote actually comes from a tweet, which 240 characters, how how good can it be? But his tweet has made the rounds for years on various social media pages since it was originally presented in 2019. And to give you an idea of just how rare that is, and because you know that I love words that echo through time, his words have done exactly that. And what I always find so fascinating is why Some words, like these, bubble to the top and survive. And bubble to the top of what? Well, I read an estimate that said that every second, more than 6,000 tweets hit the Twitter sphere. And if you do the math, that's 350,000 per minute, 500 million per day, and more than 200 billion tweets per year. And those numbers are a few years old, so if anything, they're probably a little bit low. But think about that. Right? No offense to Clint meant here, but he's not exactly a globally known celebrity. Yet. Maybe those days are coming. And he's not a Kardashian. He's not a world leader who just gets millions of views because they said anything and people read it. For every ounce of drivel they push out into the world. The man is a writer. He's an author and a father. And yet here we are, more than 600 billion tweets later, considering his words. And that's pretty incredible. In its own right. 
So why? Why these words? Why did these ones bubble to the top? Why did these ones float to the top of the punch bowl that is the 600 billion tweets in three years Twitterverse to be something that we talk about on the podcast? Well, I'll speculate about that in just a moment. But first, let me read the tweet again. And again, remember, this comes from 2019. And I wonder if it resonates with you the same way that it does with me. He tweeted, quote, One of the best things a teacher ever did for me was say, I don't know the answer to that, but I'll do some research. It modeled a more honest intellectual discourse. You don't have to pretend like you know everything, and you don't always need to have or share an immediate opinion. End quote. So as we ask ourselves here from time to time, what is it about these words that jumps out off the page or off the screen, as it were? For me, I think at least part of it is the purity of it. And what do I mean by purity? Well, some of it comes down to believability. Because Twitter and, and most of social media has a deliberately low bar to both access and contribution. And that's by design. That's not a bug. It's a feature. That allows people who otherwise would not be able to communicate in the ways that big-name celebrities do, meaning they don't have microphones shoved in their face anytime they walk outside and decide they want to say something. They don't have cameras around every corner recording their every move so that their voices are given an outsized impression on the world. And you don't have to think too far back to see how these platforms, meaning the social media platforms, have completely changed the way people communicate. And they've increased the quantity of actual people, and unfortunately bots, that contribute to the conversation. There are people now who do not watch the cable news. They do not watch the nightly news. I remember growing up watching the nightly news with Dan Rather and Tom Brokaw. And I haven't watched the nightly news. I don't even know who the host of the nightly news is on any of the major news stations anymore. Why? Because we don't need to watch the nightly news. Sorry, nightly news. But we don't need to watch the nightly news in order to get our information. You can actually get that information more quickly by having your phone in your pocket and pulling it out occasionally and looking at Twitter to see what's trending than you can by waiting until 6 p.m. or 6.30 every night to see what's going on in the nightly news. So again, these platforms have completely changed the way that we communicate with one another. And notoriety on these platforms is a complex mashup of followers and engagement and retweets and likes, etc., etc. There are whole books on the topic. I'm not going to go into it here, nor am I an expert. But the lengths that people will go to achieve that notoriety are great and are not always pure or genuine. So the first thing about this tweet from Clint that stands out to me is the purity and genuineness of his words. I think we can all imagine a teacher in a small classroom peppered daily with questions from curious learners standing in a position of intellectual authority, because that's what teachers are to us as we're in the learning process, receiving a pointed and difficult question from a student. Now, Clint doesn't say how old he was when this happened, but he could have been in kindergarten, could have been, you know, in the, in the early formative years of education, could have been middle school, could have been right before he graduated high school. We don't know. But I've been in the position of Clint's teacher. And it's an exceedingly difficult position to be in to not attempt to answer that question, whatever it may be. The profession and the task of a teacher almost mandate a response, an answer, an even imperfect one to that precious, and I do mean precious, and people who teach know exactly what I'm talking about, precious spark of intellectual curiosity that every teacher wishes to project onto every student. The one that doesn't have to be forced into a learning mindset, but instead comes to you with questions, 
curiosities, things that they don't know or are curious about in the world. There's not a teacher out there who wouldn't love to have that form of intellectual curiosity made manifest in all of their students. And so when a question like this comes up, it's extremely difficult if you're the teacher and you don't know the answer, or there is no easy answer, let's say, to not attempt to answer. But in doing so, you can actually end up doing more harm than good. So what we have here is something that happens hundreds of thousands or more times a day all over the world, even as rare as it can be and as occasionally as teachers may commiserate about how students aren't curious and nobody ever asks questions and all I do is talk at a blank stare across the desk. Let's say a student raises their hand, is called on by the teacher, and asks a question. Certainly that happens every day. The teacher kind of stumbles, maybe maybe just inwardly, right? Just a bit, when they realize that they don't know the answer or they can't verbalize it or they don't want to verbalize it for any number of reasons. I mean, we're talking about a human interaction here. This is discourse, and not in the pejorative sense of an argument or an impasse which two people find themselves in, but the unknowing, seeking information from the presumed knower. Right? The student, being unknowing of the information, has reached out to that intellectual authority that I, re I referenced before and has asked a question, presuming that that intellectual authority knows the answer. But it's not so. In that moment, of not knowing, in that fraction of a second, the knower, their response says a ton about them. And in Clint's case, his teacher, upon recognizing that they didn't know the answer, did not do any of the easy things. The easy things like dismiss the question outright or answer a completely different question, classic political uh, response, attempt to make up an answer, right? I mean, they're kids. They don't know the difference. They won't know what I'm talking about. Or belittle the questioner for even asking the question to begin with. Well, that's a silly question. I don't know why you would ask that. Or that's inappropriate. Don't ask that here. Instead, we have an educator who exercises the next thing that I like about this quote, which is humility. And this is the second facet of the quote, this anecdote, as it were, that jumps out off the page. The humility of the teacher. And perhaps this is the most powerful part of the whole quote. And for a teacher, whose job includes the word literally, teach, to pause and swallow their pride and say, I don't know, shows a pupil so much. Arguably more than having the right answer and delivering the right answer would. Clearly, it stuck with Clint. And I dare say it shaped his approach to conversation and discourse. He almost, he says as much in his 240 characters. And certainly, it's influenced mine and now hopefully yours as well. It shows the pupil that teachers who, depending on your age and maturity, may be seen as the most knowledgeable people in the small world that you occupy, don't actually know everything. They can't know everything. And that it's okay to let people know that it, this important lesson, and it's a lesson that we can all stand to learn, which is why I brought it to us today. Why I brought it to you. And the teacher went even beyond that, right? That would be noble enough and impressive enough and admirable enough. But the teacher went a step further. And it's relatively easy to say, I don't know, right? If you have a little bit of humility saying, I don't know, isn't really that hard. It's more difficult than some of the other default responses, sure. But it's not terribly difficult to say that and then just move on. 
But in Clint's case, his teacher went even further. By adding, quote, but I'll do some research, the teacher shows two vital things to the student. One, that they too are curious, right? Why would you do more research if you don't care to know the answer yourself? Perhaps, to the cynical, it's out of a sense of obligation to the student. <sighs> you ask the question, I don't know the answer, I'll do some research, I'll get back to you. That's one way to read it. But I think, for somebody who's willing to say this, and for Clint to internalize it and bring it to everybody else's attention, I suspect that wasn't the tone or the attitude of the teacher at the time that he asked this question. And number two, that the question, and by extension the student, are important enough for the teacher to take time and energy and invest it into finding the answer. Those are powerful, influential, easy-to-overlook impacts of behavior like this. And I suspect this resonates with so many people precisely because it is also, in addition to pure and genuine and humble, exceptionally rare. And I mentioned previously that social media is a large umbrella and that many can, do, and should participate. And it should come as no surprise to anyone that it's not always, perhaps even rarely, I guess, civil discourse. People snap, they bark at, and they dunk on those that they, with whom they disagree. Conversations spiral into arguments, ad hominem attacks arise, and little, if anything, is actually accomplished. And then folks move on to the next, quote, debate, right? And the last part of the quote, added by Clint himself, is one of my favorite lessons that I've had to learn as I've matured. And that is when he says, quote, you don't always need to have or share an immediate opinion. And this is a hard but extremely valuable lesson to learn. Because most of the time, if not always, our initial response to a statement or a question or a challenge is not our best, or, dare I say, even correct at all. I've had this happen to me numerous times recently, where my wife and I perhaps have been talking about something, and I, she makes a statement that she read something, and I say, well, this is that. right? I make a definitive statement, a very quick reaction to a stimulus of some kind. And only after talking to her for a few minutes longer do I go, oh, actually, okay, I hadn't considered that perspective, right? Now, those are harmless conversations with my wife because she knows me and she understands that we joust and, and we bring up different ideas back and forth and we share opinions on matters, and it's a relatively low-stakes game. But if you're talking about something like social media or a conversation or a broad conversation in front of a large audience, jumping to an initial easy first opinion reaction to something can lead you to say and do the very wrong, very most wrong thing that you can do. And we can and should, I think, as a result of hearing this, and now we know this, we can and should pause and consider and ingest and digest and, and formulate a response. And that can take time, right? Sometimes a lot of time, even. Put differently, 6,000 tweets per second do not need to be responded to in kind. If it's that important and that compelling and that provoking, you will want to circle back, and you'll most certainly do so if you don't slam out the first 240 characters that come to mind in a much more high-quality way. Keep the genie in the bottle. Think. Do some research. Formulate a response. And then respond if you must. Clint's teacher did that. Clint urges us to do that. And I accept that challenge, and I hope that you do too. 
we can all stand to learn something from Clint's tweet from his teacher when he was a kid that has stuck with him. And as I said, now we know this. Now this has been revealed to us. Now we're responsible for what we do with it. Until next time, I'm Matthew Monroe. This is Quotations. Thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed this episode and would like to hear more, please subscribe in your favorite podcast app or visit me at quotationspod.com to download and listen. Please also take a moment to recommend the podcast to a friend. That's a huge help. You can tweet at me at quotationspod. Send me an email to quotationspod at gmail.com. Find me on Instagram at quotationspod or join the conversation on Facebook at quotationspod. I look forward to hearing from you. Welcome your feedback. And thanks as always for listening.